Hey, Phillies Nation fans, this is Ian Riccoboni joining you for another edition of the Phillies Nation podcast. Before we get started today, I just want to give a very special thank you to those that tweeted, emailed, let us know through Facebook and other social media that you wanted to hear more Phillies Nation podcast. Steve and I had a very busy travel schedule that extended through opening day and opening week. It took, it took us to places like Scottsdale, Arizona, Japan, uh, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and all over the place. So Steve and I uh, unknowingly and unwittingly uh, ran into some difficulties connecting uh, when we were in the same time zone. So uh, this week is extra special. We're going to get you caught up on the things that happened opening week, opening day, transactions that were abound, suspensions, uh, standout players, players that are uh, kind of underperforming, and then, of course, the amazing starting pitching uh, that was happening up until today, up until April 19th. So without further ado, this episode of the Phillies Nation podcast is brought to you by Out of the Park Baseball 17, which is available now. It's the most authentic baseball strategy game ever made. This is the Out of the Park Baseball you have been waiting for. Not only does Out of the Park Baseball 17 feature its trademark immersion into a hardball strategy and management experience like no other, including nearly 150 years of baseball into a single package, it now includes the MLBPA license for the first time, along with the returning MLB.com license as well. This means all the real teams, players, logos, ballparks, and more. You simply cannot get more authentic. There's so many community-driven features added this year, we cannot list them all here. But some of the highlights include accurate opening day major and minor league rosters with authentic names, logos, and rosters dating back more than a century. One of my favorite modes is to play the historic modes. You can start with any team, any year. It's amazing. An all-new historical exhibition mode that lets you realistically play teams from any year and any era against one another in a single game or series. Remember the dream series we did on Phillies Nation with the... Historic 1927 A's, the 2008 Phillies. Hmm, you can test that out there. An accurate representation of 2016 player faces showing their emotions and aging over time, thanks to the MLBPA license and face gen technology. Beautiful improved visuals on and off the field, and so much more. If you order now, you'll receive a special 10% discount off the retail price of $39.99 by going to OOTPdevelopments.com. That's OOTPdevelopments.com, out of the park developments.com ootpdevelopments.com clicking on the pre-order banner i'm sorry the order banner it's out <laughs> just enter the code phillies17 at checkout to not only get a discount but to also help support phillies nation indie sports video game development and all the people who work to bring you the great game of out of the park baseball 17 once again just go to ootpdevelopments.com click on the order banner and enter the code phillies17 at checkout for a special discount and to support the phillies nation podcast with that, it's time for the show. Well, hello everybody. Welcome back to the Phillies Nation podcast. It's been uh, it's been some time, Steve, but you and I have both been traveling the country, traveling the world, and we've been keeping up with the Phillies. And it's been an exciting start to the season. Um, very exciting, very promising in some ways, disappointing in others. But nonetheless, it's so glad. It feels so good to have baseball back. Oh, it sure does. And I, I'm so excited. I, I think they're still on pace for my 14 and 10 for April. Just they're going about it in a, in a different way. And, you know, when, when they're bad, they're bad. But when they're good, they're, they're brilliant. And I think that's going to be the trend that leads them for the, the rest of the season. So it's been 
an exciting 15 days already in, in Philly's land. And yeah, I, I'm still excited that they don't have a winning record, but who cares? And they've gotten blown out three of the last four games, but who cares? We're, we're, we're still learning. We still have a lot of positives coming on. Yeah. And I think the, I think the important thing is like we talked about in spring training, you're seeing uh, development where you want to see development. We're seeing some surprises as well. Uh, a guy that I ragged on, Charlie Morton, has been okay. Yeah, I mean, he stumbled in his first start, uh, but he's been Charlie. He's been the good Charlie Morton. We talked about good Charlie Morton, bad Charlie Morton. He's been the good one. So, I mean, we can go up and down the lineup however you want to do it. Uh, but I'd like to start with the positive because there is a general vibe positivity to this. Um, I can tell you that. I had an amazing vacation. My wife and I went to Los Angeles, San Francisco. We went to Disneyland. And we, I'm including this because while we were standing in line for some of the rides, we were following along with the game. It was about 10 a.m. Uh, 10 a.m. Pacific time, 1, 1 p.m. Eastern. We were following along with the game on Thursday when Vincent Velasquez threw 16 strikeouts. Uh, complete game shutout, no walks, only three hits. When you start with bright spots or talk about bright spots, I think you have to start with Vincent Velasquez. Oh, absolutely. You know, coming out of virtually nowhere and being as dominant as he was, especially last Thursday, 16 strikeouts. He just looked dominant. He looked stronger as the, the game was going on. And that's definitely a positive. Same with Charlie Morton. You know, he, he had that first rough outing and then, the last few of these just look like the, the Charlie Morton that I would hope that he would be, you know, at least until July 31st. And, you know, maybe we can cash him in for, you know, two good minor leaguers with potential. But so I, I'm, I'm very excited. Vinny from Philly here, and I'm, I'm looking at your notes, averaging 15 strikeouts, uh, you know, per nine innings. That, that's great. He got rocked pretty much today. But that's going to happen. And... He's he's going to become more confident, more strong as the as the year goes along, and you know I I love what I'm seeing in there. Yeah, so right as we're just to for our listeners, we uh, we're going live here right as the Phillies and Mets wrapped up here on Tuesday night, and you know Vinny from Philly, he had those two great starts. Even today, though, um, you know it looks like he got rocked, but if you look at the box score, yeah, he didn't last as long as he did obviously on Thursday. Didn't throw a complete game. Uh, but he did pitch four and a third innings. He only gave up five hits. He did surrender five runs, but only two of them were earned. His defense let him down a bit. Uh, he struck out four. So there again, he's he's being successful in that he's getting about a strikeout per inning pitched, which for a starting pitcher, um, you can't ask for more than that. Now, there's it's interesting. I took a look at some of the stats earlier today, uh, right before the Mets-Phillies game started. So these stats are a little dated by about three hours, but... The um, there's some interesting reason to believe that this staff is somehow underperforming, and I don't mean not meeting expectations. I just mean that their their current ERA uh, is a little bit higher than FIP would be concerned, and FIP is fielding independent pitching. So that means if you took uh, a baseline defense and you put it against a team's performance, uh, what would you get? In terms, it's like an ERA type stat. And heading into tonight, their ERA was 3.21 as a staff. Which heading into tonight, also that was the fifth in the ranked fifth in the National League, seventh in Major League Baseball. 
Uh, somehow their their FIP was two point six four, which oh. is kind of amazing. So what that kind of says is if you take a relatively league average defense and you put it on the Phillies, that would be the expectation over a nine inning game that the opposing team would score two point six four runs. Um, heading into today, they were leading baseball in Sierra, which is another way uh, to measure pitching performance. And again, there was a lot of optimism. I mean, going into today, and this this of course changed with the eleven to one loss. Um, they led the led the majors in strikeouts among starters. Strikeout to walk ratio was number one in the majors. Uh, they were second in Major League Baseball in batting average against, third in WHIP. And uh, they were second in the National League and third in the major leagues in innings pitched from starters. So with that atrocious bullpen, they were able to get far into the games. They were able to really get the bullpen off the hook by getting that far into the games. It's it's amazing that, you know, those are crazy numbers, by the way. And, um, yeah, and the bullpen's been... You know the bullpen. Uh, that, that David Hernandez is quickly, quickly gonna come on my list. You know, he's already I, on mine. <laughs> oh, I, okay, so like we're 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 in cahoots with this one. Yeah, I mean, he just does not look comfortable out there. He does not look confident. You know, I was watching the game last night. It, it, what a two to one. David Hernandez gets the ball. It's four one. I said, oh, you gotta be kidding me. And, and McCannon's just you know letting him go. And I get it. It's it's early April. We don't want to, you know, crush the bullpen. But you know, once again, looking at your <laughs> looking at your uh, your notes, your know, Hernandez on pace for ninety three appearances, where the the club record is ninety by that that great side armor. Well, really, he came under from under Kent Colby. Yep, and fatigue. Um, yeah, and I, I loved what you said. Will he make it past April with the Phillies? I don't know. I, I can't see him being with the team that long if he, if he is if he can't get anybody out. And just looking at his face, he does not like. I, I believe a, a reliever. It, it's psychological too because you know they they got to come in, they got to save the game, or they got to mop up, or they you know got to hold. And you know they got to have that confidence in their face. If they don't look confident, then you know the the batter knows it. It, it becomes a psychology game. And uh, man, David Hernandez just—he just does not look comfortable out there. No, and it, it's kind of crazy. And I—I'm wondering if—I'm wondering if McCannon is kind of doing this by design, because he is on pace for 93 appearances, which would be astronomical. I mean, that would—that would not only break the Phillies' club record, but that would likely lead baseball by a large margin, probably 10, at least 10, if not 15 or 20 appearances. We've seen this before. Charlie Manuel charted, trotted out Chad Qualls 35 times before they decided to move on in very, very quick fashion. And I'm wondering if, if kind of this is a way of throwing him into the fire, seeing what he's got, and then being able to quickly dismiss him to move on to younger players. Because the bullpen, while it's been bad, um, you know, we have seen some bright spots. One is Hector Neris. I really, really like what Hector Neris has done. He's been an interesting surprise. Uh, if you remember, he came up two years ago and uh, kind of out of nowhere after really not playing that much beyond double A. And then uh, last year he pitched in 32 games, 40 innings. 
This year, uh, he's been in seven games already. He's got a number of strikeouts. He's averaging more than a strikeout per, per inning pitched. And he's got an ERA of zero. So you can't really argue with the results there. And then we've seen the closer carousel. Early in the season, we've already seen three closers. First, of course, David Hernandez, who broke our hearts in Cincinnati. <laughs> uh, and, oh, man, that one. He, well, that one hurt. That one hurt because we, I'm sure the rest of you are feeling it with us, that, that optimism heading into that first series. Oh, and then that Wednesday night, <laughs> David oh, Hernandez, yeah. And that, that's, you know, and I, granted, we have to get used to that because it's going to happen over the last next couple of years. But, yes. man, that's still like... Somebody just punched me in the face with the, you know, some Cincinnati runs. Yeah. Oh, that one hurt. Yeah, that one really, really hurt. And then we saw a brief cameo from Dailar Hinosa, uh as the team's closer, and that didn't work out so great <laughs> either. But the good news is the it seems like the buck has stopped with Yenmar Gomez, which was actually a name you suggested. Uh, way back, I believe in maybe episode three, right as we mm-hmm. were heading into spring training, as someone that could very easily become the closer, and he's done a pretty good job. I mean, he's done better than, geez, Hinosa or or Hernandez. Yeah, and I don't see him being the closer of the future or anything like that. But at this pace, in you know, we saw what. Las Vegas has said about the Phillies, you know, are they going to win 66? Are they going to win 68? Are they going to win 72? You know, um, he's, he's not going to have to close 45 games or, or 50 games. So, um, but he, I think he is the guy to stop the bleeding for right now. And, and that's what I think they need, it, you know, closer by committee history says that it doesn't work and I get it, but, uh, for right now, I think Gomez is is the guy until he loses it because Hernandez was definitely not not the choice. So yeah, <laughs> um, <laughs> and it's just keep them into the game. That's all I want because the, the starting pitchers, with the exception over the last few days, have really been keeping you know the the team in there. It, we're not hitting, but I don't I don't think we're designed to hit very well right now. Right and. You know, Cedric Hunter, and we'll get into him in a little bit, has been quite a disappointment. Peter Borges is gorgeous as his wife is. Um, you know, it's, it can't can't hit if you threw a softball at him. And it, it's just going, ugh, right now. But So the pitching is going to be even that more important. And the, the starting pitching has been decent, but the, the relievers really have to step it up. And when it gets to the closer role and those – rare times that we're going to need it. I think Gomez is the guy right now. I, I think it's his job to lose. Yeah, and I, I think he's, over the last couple of years, there's been an interesting trend in some of his stats. Uh, right now he's got a two five seven ERA, and that's quite better than his career average. Uh, he was brought up in 2010, uh, six years ago, when he was only 22 years old. He had some rough years with the Indians, uh, and then he moved on to the Pirates where he had some success it was kind of a head scratcher why the Pirates actually let him, uh, you know, kind of let him go, and um, you know, it was it was just strange. And he's a guy who's arbitration eligible next year, and then he can become a free agent twenty eighteen. So the Phillies do have some control. He's only twenty eight, and he's gotten better each of the last four seasons. His strikeouts have improved. He jumped from 4.76 per nine innings all the way this year to 7.71. 
And even if you think that's a small sample, you can look back to last year, 6.03. So he's added like a strikeout and a half per inning pitched. He's reduced his walks per, per nine innings uh, by about a, a walk and a half. So there's positive movement in both directions there. If you want to just look at ERA, his ERA from 2012 was 5.96. Went down to 3.35 in 2013, 3.19 in 2014, 3.01 last year in his first year with the Phillies in 74 innings. And now it's down to 257. So he's a guy that might have some potential. And he could be a guy that you turn into something interesting, maybe not at this trade deadline, but maybe next year. I mean, if you're looking for a guy to kind of stop the bleeding and make sure you win some games, I think he's definitely your guy this year. But I think you could accidentally, he could accidentally become an asset because his peripheral stats indicate that he's getting better year to year. And, and you're right. And going back to him being in Pittsburgh, it's it seems like a lot of these pitchers that are you know lost in translation, say, are going to Pittsburgh and they reinvent themselves and they find something new and it's helping them along the way. And you know, in Gomez's case, you know, with that two point five seven ERA, he you know he's making quite a case for himself to stay in that closer role. And and at twenty eight year, years old, you know he can only get better. I you know, what's he going to be at 30, 31, 32? He, he could be walking himself in, especially with this rebuild. Mm-hmm. He could be walking himself into a you know a three or four year closer role if he sticks to his guns and and keeps doing as well as he does. Yeah, he's he's interesting too. You know, because closers and relievers tend to marinate better as they get older you you don't lose you tend to gain smarts and lose speed but usually the smarts seem to outweigh the speed and in the case of gomez um he's got that fastball that sits in the low 90s he's actually been using it less this year and been relying more on the slider which he throws at about 82 miles an hour um he's coming in with that slider about a quarter of the time um but there's actually been kind of a movement within the phillies organization i don't know if you saw this steve the slider is not the pitch of choice, and it's not the cutter. I don't know if you remember when Roy Holiday was here. Uh, There's big push. He kind of taught Kyle Kendrick the cutter, who had he had some success with that. Uh, Cole Hamels learned the cutter from Holiday. No, now the pitch now is the curveball. And I don't know if you saw, there was a little bit of buzz on this on fan graphs. A guy named August, and I want to make sure I get this right, because I don't want to do a Dan Zimborski on this poor guy. <laughs> August Fagerstrom wrote an article, and it said that the Philly starters used the curveball 27% of the time as of the game ending on 418. So as of last night, it's 7% more than the next closest team and is on pace to be the highest in recorded history in the pitch FX era, which is the, the company that measures this sort of thing. Uh, it, window's very small, granted, but the highest, the current high is 24% over an entire season that year it was the 2012 pirates and there's kind of a common thread charlie morton was on that team yeah right is charlie morton bringing his his um propaganda of of the curveball to to the philly staff but one that's amazing that there's somebody that charts that and says that these guys are throwing a ball 27 percent of the time and (laughs) you know and they're so one of the cool things I love about baseball is just the crazy statistics that they come up with. 
there is numbers for everything. Yeah. Oh, Steve. Doubles, triples, home runs, stolen bases, RBIs, strikeouts, walks, and then I would figure out the average. And, you know, nowadays, you could write books upon books upon books of statistics for just one guy. And this statistic to me is wild because the curveball, 27% of the time, over once every four pitches, is a, a curveball. So, that, that to me is, if a pitcher's throwing 100 pitches, he's throwing that curveball 27 times per outing. And I, I'm, I'm curious to see what the success rate is. Is the curveball going to be for the, the Phillies? Is it is it something that, you know, they're not hitting the home run tonight? You know, saying it might not have worked with, right. a, with all the home runs that the Mets hit. But that's an amazing statistic. 27% of the time, the opposing team is getting the curveball. Now, if you are the, the, the Mets or the Nationals or the Marlins or the Braves, are you, are you now looking curveball? Are you are you looking 2-1 curveball? Okay, let's, you know, 2-1 curveball. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rock this thing, you know, and, you know, are, are you looking 3-1 curveball instead of a 3-1 fastball, you know, traditional pitch there? So it, it's interesting to see how teams are going to um, – readjust and, you know, are they going to start looking for the curveball? Are we going to look at the statistic in a month and see that it's it's going now towards the trend of the two-seamer? So right. it, it's going to be super interesting to see where this all goes. Yeah, and it's it hasn't affected all Phillies pitchers. For instance, um, you know, it's certainly Charlie Morton is sort of the common theme between the 2012 Pirates and, and the current Phillies. One guy it has affected that's it's been really successful for is Jared Eikhoff. Um, he's used the the curveball according to Pitch FX thirty one point two percent of the time, and there's some crazy statistics here about swings and misses and things like that. He's had a he's had more success with the curveball than any other pitch according to Pitch Pitch FX. It's been his most valuable pitch, and. It's kind of incredible. He's getting people to chase things out of the strike zone with it. And he was pretty good last year, albeit in a you know an eight-start sample. Is We've seen him three times this year, 1.89 ERA. Is this the real Jared Eikhoff? Is something around maybe a, a high twos ERA what we should expect from him, especially now that he's thrown this curveball? I, I mean, you know, I would be... Ecstatic if he was throwing the the high twos. I, I'd be ecstatic if he was throwing mid threes. Mm-hmm. If, if this team is going to score runs for him, he could throw mid threes all he wants. But I, I've been so impressed with him that you, you know. And it, it could the curveball be the the key? I don't I don't know that. That's the fun thing, you know. Right. We're throwing a lot of poop up against the wall and seeing what <laughs> sticks, you know. So. While they're doing that, you know, I'm just amazed by okay, Pete McCannon, and it, he's trying all these different things, and you, you gotta love him for it. You know, it's not going to probably reflect in the Phillies' record this year, maybe even next year, but he's doing a lot of good things because he has faith in that staff, he has faith in his ball players. He's going to put them out there. Um, it, 
it's everybody's job to lose instead of you're going to be out there for a certain amount of time. And, you know, I think he's going to build a lot of confidence in these young guys like Ikoff, and, you know, Noel is going to come around. And they're going to be such forces in 2018, 2019. And, you know, when the bandwagon jumpers come, we got great numbers now for the Phillies Nation podcast. Absolutely. But, but when we start winning and the podcast gets huge because everybody wants to be a Phillies fan again, we're going to remember the times that we sat here and we discussed how Pete McCannon had faith in his young players to make mistakes and learn from them. So what an exciting time, right, Ian? At, oh, definitely. And, you know, I think a lot of the credit, I think the guy that's that's not getting credit that, that should be, especially for navigating such a young staff and with some unknowns here is Bob McClure, the pitching coach. And I've researched Bob McClure up and down. Um, I can't find much information that he, he went to the curveball as a pitcher, which is interesting. I can find that he talked to Cliff Lee about it before the 2014 season. Um, you know, he was, he'd helped out Lee working on the curve ahead of that season. Lee, of course, didn't get to pitch that much. It's an exciting time, and I think, you know, if all goes well, this could be a resurrection story for Bob McClure, who, you know, kind of bounces around baseball. He's kind of a baseball lifer. He played from 75 to 93. He was he was a pitching coach for a number of different teams, the Marlins, the Royals, the Red Sox. You know, he's going to be a guy that if any of the current Philly starters are performing at a higher than expected level including Hellickson and including Morton the credit has to go to Bob McClure it does and you know what maybe he doesn't get the credit he deserves because he's got that weird facial hair well <laughs> it's hard to take somebody seriously with, with that kind of facial hair but even in MLB the show this year he, he's got that weird facial hair but yeah he has you know he's unsung hero right now and it once again, it's not reflecting in the numbers per se, and it, it won't for a little bit, but this team's not supposed to be doing what they are doing right now. And, and I'm trying to think here if, I, if I'm right about, you know, we're 6-8 and eight on April 19th when we're, we're taping this, mm-hmm. which is not bad at all. Like, not bad at all. 6-9, and nine, I'm sorry. Uh, three under 500, 15 games in. Okay, I get it. We're... It's not great, but it's it's not bad either. Oh well, six and nine—that means we have to go eight and one for my <laughs> fourteen and ten. And it's it, possible. Yeah, they went. They had a stretch last year where they were twelve and four, so it, it definitely is possible. Yeah, uh, I, might, I might be right more on May, but you know, <laughs> Bob McClure you definitely deserves you know, a lot of credit and. You know, it, and I think in the next couple of years, when you see this, hopefully they keep him around, and I don't see why they wouldn't. And hopefully, why we're doing this rebuild, and he builds up these young arms, and you know, there's so many coming through the minors that he'll get the credit he deserves because we always hear about these, you know, the the guys that have been around and, and doing great as as pitching coaches. But you know, will Bob McClure get the the press that he's going to deserve eventually? Yeah. It- his day in the sun might come. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to follow this because not a lot of people have picked up on this curveball thing, and it's not something that's traditionally associated with Bob McClure. It's it's definitely a Charlie Morton thing, and it's actually interesting because it's also a Jeremy Hellickson thing. Um, there's a, a stat called spin rate, which 
calculates the rotations per minute on a curveball, which is, <laughs> again, like you mentioned the stats, you know, we used to track home runs, triples, doubles. Now there's spin rate. And spin rate says Charlie Morton has one of the all-time elite curveballs. Um, one of the next closest players on that list is actually Jeremy Hellickson. So, wow. Yeah. Did they accidentally kind of stumble? Did Matt Klintek assemble this on purpose? Or did they just happen to acquire two of the, the better curveball pitchers? Who, you know, who knows, right? But that's, I think that's a great question. Maybe if we can get Matt on the podcast or maybe, maybe Bob McClure, we can ask them. Uh, oh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, about their yeah. approach with, with the curveball. Um, one pitcher you will not see pitching is actually uh, the Rule 5 pick from the Kansas City Royals organization, Daniel Stump, who uh, <laughs> I texted you right when I saw this. Uh, I would like to call him the medicine man because he, he's uh he was uh allegedly now one of you know he's this can be what do you call it this can be challenged it can be uh you can appeal it but allegedly tested positive for a 1960s powerlifting drug invented by the East Germans to win gold medals in the Olympics I'm it, not making that up But is it great that like it, you have to say East Germans. I mean, the unification happened in 1989. You know, there hasn't been an East Germany in so long. So, like, you just go, wait, what did he think? Like, when they were testing for for this stuff, they're like, yeah, there's no way that they'll get all, this stuff. Was it's East German stuff? Like, <laughs> what? All oh, right. So, you know, I'm stumped that he. Uh, <laughs> He did this. I, I just don't get it. And you know, uh, eighty games is a, a lot, especially for a Rule Five guy. And has there ever been in the history of, especially now that the the PED scandals and stuff like that, has there ever been a Rule Five guy, you know, um, suspended for for PEDs? And where do they go from there? Do does. I mean, do the Phillies really, once he gets back, you know, do the Phillies just drop him and make him available, or, you know, available for, he came from Kansas City, right? Right, yep. I mean, do they offer him back to Kansas City? Like, what happens in in that situation? So, it's funny you ask that, because there actually is an answer. Last, oh, nice. Last year, and this is courtesy of Matt Eady from Baseball America, Matt Eady tweeted right after Stumpf was suspended, PED suspensions apparently rights of passages for Rule 5 left-handed relievers. Daniel Stumpf this year, Andrew McCarahan, and David Rollins last year. So in the last, in the last, I don't know, 400 days, there's been two, there's been three left-handed relievers who are all Rule 5 picks, um, that were popped for PED use. Interestingly enough, um, David Rollins has not yet appeared in the major leagues this year. Uh, also, interestingly enough, Andrew McKeerahan has not appeared in the major leagues this year. So that kind of shows you maybe what their teams thought of them. Right. Uh, David Rollins, by his stats, is actually having a nice year for Tacoma uh, in the Pacific Coast League. And uh, Andrew McKeerahan, let me get a look on him. Uh, he was with the Braves last year, and he has he has not pitched this year. So he's uh, on the 60-day disabled list with a torn ligament in his elbow. So 
Yeah, it's interesting. The, the name of the drug, <laughs> the name of the drug uh, that Stumpf allegedly took was oral turinabol, and that's the street name. But the medical name is dihydrochloromethyl testosterone, and that's all one word. Hmm. Right, the street names is bad. Ooh. Why can't they just give it a, a better street name? Yeah, oral turin turinabol. <laughs> like, that doesn't even roll off the tongue well. No, no. Like, I'll, I'll have to ask some of my, uh, you know, my PED buddies. You know, <laughs> what, what the like? Can can we dumb that name down? Can we call it the stump now? Or like, I, I don't know. <laughs> well, with the, with the amount of uh, East German Olympians, I mean, East Germany went on an impress, uh, impressive, unprecedented gold medal run in the '60s. So, I mean, I'm sure somebody's got dibs on it from East Germany, <laughs> but. Yeah, where do you find that stuff? Yeah, and maybe, did you think maybe he took it because he thought it was so old that it just wasn't tested for anymore? Or? Right, well, that's the thing, you know, there, there's dozens of different types of steroids, so maybe he was thinking like, oh, you know what, like, they're checking for this, that, and this, but they'll never check for this. Right. And, uh, yeah, and he was wrong, so there, there was somebody, you know, when they were writing the list down of drugs that they were going to was, was you know, very in- very in tune with the East German drugs back in the, you know, it had to be the anywhere from the 60s to the mid 80s. Yeah. Well, it, the guy who, who benefits from this is Elvis Arahu. Um, he, 6'7 lefty, he's huge. He, I don't know if the TV does him justice. He's a very tall, large man. He's 6'7, almost 300 pounds, according to the media guide. Um, he's a big, big man. Uh, he's only 24. He's got a shot now, and he's he looked pretty good last year. He was two and one, three point three eight ERA. Um, I think he would have made the team had they not had to keep Stump. Uh, so, I mean, this is kind of a nice thing for for Arahu, Arahu rather. And uh, unfortunately for Stump, maybe not so nice. Although, interesting conspiracy theory here uh, floated around on the web, and you'll have to tell me if I should take my tin my tin uh, ears off or not. The Theory going around is that some of these Rule 5 guys get popped on purpose so that they can accrue uh, some sort of Major League standing. They don't get service time when they're suspended, and they don't get paid, but it increases the likelihood that they end the season with the team. That's weird, because what's the Major League minimum right now? 510000 I think it's up to around five forty or five fifty. Okay, so, I mean, even if we said five hundred. Right. That that means that you you're giving away $250,000 of your salary right. just to just to like you know just to guarantee that you would be on that team for the rest of the year. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's what I was thinking too. I mean, it it sounds pretty ridiculous. Um so I wasn't really buying into that, but it I mean, there's been so many there's the sample size is is small but it's big it's a big percentage of it, it's way bigger than it should be right just in especially the last, in this day and age yeah and you know that's a serious thing and then you know obviously your reputation gets tarnished and it goes beyond just making money and it goes beyond just staying in baseball and without getting too editorial here stump doesn't look like a guy who's getting the most out of his steroids no like and that's what happens with a lot of these guys you know I think you think of steroids and you think these big, huge, you know, crazy football athletes, 
But then you look at the guys that are getting popped, and you're wondering, like, is it working? What what happens when you're off? You know, and, and you just wonder the mindset. And I guess because baseball and any sports is so competitive that you, you know, these guys are doing whatever it takes to 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 you know get to that next level, whether it be you know a starting pitcher, whether it be you know a Rule Five draft guy trying to stay with the, with the team that drafted him and, you know, a minor league, you're trying to get to the major leagues and you just wonder what their mindset is. And, and I think that's something that they need to do is, you know, maybe part of the punishment is you, you interview these guys and you play it on MLB.com and say, you know, what made you do this? What is your mindset? And so that younger players that are coming up through college or, or the minor leagues don't you know, don't make the same mistakes that these guys are making because it's still happening way too much and it hurts baseball because, you know, there, there are times when I go on, you know, MLB trade rumors and I will, you'll read something about, you know, I, I was reading something about Michael Bourne and how he just got released and he's 33 and, you know, there's always something that says, you know, well, maybe he was a steroid guy and he broke down early and, Part of me gets upset and says, you know, how can you be thinking about this? Like, why would Michael Bourne be a steroids guy? You know, why can't he just be breaking down from, you know, this, these, these years of playing? Mm -hmm. And, but then on the other hand, you, you see a guy like Stump fail a drug test for, and he's going to be out 80 games and you almost can't blame fans for thinking like that these guys are all still on it. Yeah. And you know, I, I was hoping, you know, I, I'm, I was old enough to remember when Lyle Alzado um, went through everything he did and the plea he made for, you know, steroid abuse to end. You know, his big thing was, I took steroids, look what happened to me. And, you know, steroids are, are a little bit different. They may, according to some doctors and professionals and things, they may be a little bit safer in terms of using them to rehab and things like that. But the fact of the matter is... You know, especially with 1960s East, allegedly 1960s East German Olympian steroids, you're putting a foreign toxin into your body, and it's, you know, it, it taints the perception of you as the player, and it taints the perception as the fans. I just think it's bizarre how it's never the person that you would think based on their physical appearance. I mean, Bartolo Colon is accidentally one of the, the poster boys. He sure is in, you know, that's, it still amazes me because, you know, he gains so much weight over the off season and he's still a force, <laughs> you know, so it, it, he's hard to hate, but yeah, it, it's just a mindset. I think that these players have to, they believe that they have to do whatever it takes to get to that next level. And, and it's sad and, you know, totally off subject. Were, were you a fan of learning the ropes with Lyle Alzado? Wow. So I actually never got it. I didn't discover it until maybe 2002. I was a wow. big, yeah, I was a big wrestling tape trader, and and I actually acquired all of the episodes on DVD. But it never got it to my knowledge in in the in the I, Allentown area. I wonder if that's on YouTube. Uh, some of it is. Yeah, there are there are a couple full episodes. And for those of you who don't know, Steve and I are talking about a. Uh, professional wrestling TV show with Lyle Alzado, uh, learning the ropes, and he was a teacher, 
I think he was a teacher that moonlighted as a NWA professional wrestler. You know, and it was on TBS, correct? It was on TBS, and then I think it got syndicated. I think it was first run in Canada. Mm. I think it was actually a Canadian produced show, which made it weird because the NWA wrestlers that really wasn't part of their geography. They didn't really wrestle up that way too too much, other than Toronto and a little bit in Montreal. But Montreal, those, those towns are mostly WWF. But mm-hmm. yeah, but he he was a teacher who moonlighted as a wrestler, which was kind of the real life story of George the Animal Steel. Not a fan of George Steel. Now, well, we'll move on then. So, uh, the good news was Stump. Right before he got suspended, he lowered his ERA from infinity to 40. Uh, let me make sure I get this correct. <laughs> I believe he got it down to 40.86. Yes, 40.86, if, I, if I'm still reading it right. <laughs> and so he, for the next, you know, for the half a year, he is stuck with that 40.86. Like, yeah. what happens if he blows his arm out on his first game back? And next year, while I'm opening my top baseball cards... I look at his statistics, <laughs> and it will always say 40 ERA. Yeah. Oh, brutal. Yeah, he he might end up in the tops traded set, if you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, I, I sure hope so. Yeah, well, you know, I, this is all still allegedly he can still appeal, so obviously we don't want to cast too much doubt. There hasn't been really word if he's going to accept the suspension or not. Uh, to my knowledge, he may have, but he's kind of a lower tier player, so there's not a whole lot of media coverage on, on Daniel Stump at this point. I'll no. ask, yeah, I'll, I'll ask around and see what we got. But just when you think it can't get any worse, we have to talk about the uh, 500,000-pound elephant in the room. We talked about the starting pitching, which was pretty good. The relievers, mixed bag, bordering on bad. I think we can agree on that. Um, but the worst thing by far is hitting. Um, heading into tonight's game against the Mets, they had the worst batting average and lowest on-base percentage in the major league, uh, third least in runs. So, oof. Oh, right. Yeah, and tonight did no, no help for them. No. <laughs> At one point during the game, uh, the Mets had more home runs in the series than the Phillies had hits. And I'd like to give a shout-out to uh, Megan Montemuro. Uh, she is the reporter who pointed that out. She's with the News Journal, and she definitely she pointed that out during the game that if the series continued the way it was headed, that there was a chance that the Phillies would end the series with less hits than the Mets had home runs. So oh, that's brutal. Yeah, that was bad. Um, and I and I hate losing to the Mets. Yeah. You know, it, it's just because I think I have so many friends that are Mets fans that. Just rub it in, and they're not—they're not poor. I mean, they're poor winners. They don't—they. I, I never rub it. Well, I might. I, I don't rub it in that much when we beat them. I mean, we did beat them two out of three last week, but um, right. You know, I, I try not to rub it in. Uh, but anytime I see uh, tough Tim Hughes, I, I just—I just want to punch him in the face when he uh, goes, "Hey, how about the Mets." You know, yeah, I'm like, he's, oh, he's he's <laughs> smug about it. And then there's Kevin. Kevin tries to play it cool, but you know that Kevin on Kevin Kelly on the inside is just beaming with the fact that oh, he sure is. <laughs> you know, and I gotta give we gotta cut Mets fans some slack. I feel like we're we're partners in misery because there I don't there's rarely been times when both the Mets and Phillies are good together. 
Um, so other than maybe 07 and 08, I mean, I can't even name all, all but one season. 86 might be the closest with that surprise Phillies team. But even then, the Phillies finished 20 games behind that Mets juggernaut. So, Oh, yeah, right? They were just so good. Yeah, so, I mean, it, I, the Mets have been so bad for so long and have had their period, their quick peaks. The Phillies the same way. So I almost don't blame them, even though I know that anytime I talk to Kevin Kelly, I know he's looking straight through me and thinking, man, the Phillies are, the Mets are so much better than the Phillies right now. I know it's running through his head. And, and all of us just say, wow, at least we're not Braves fans. Right. Oh, man. So in a lot of these categories uh, with the, where the Phillies aren't last, like runs, um, the Braves are actually behind them. Uh, and Which brings me to a question. I'll save this one for the end of the show, but I'll give it to you now so you can think about it. Okay. And then we'll get your answer at the end of the show because we'll talk about the offense quick. But you can marinate on this. Are you upset? that the Phillies didn't rebuild sooner knowing that the Braves were going to be, or if you knew that the Braves were going to be this bad, that the Mets, other than tonight, may lacked offense, and that the Marlins were going to be kind of the crapshoot that they always are. Because those become three kind of beatable teams. The Mets have great pitching, but the offense... Other than this huge outburst tonight isn't quite there. The Braves are a uh, dumpster fire. And the Marlins, you never know what you're going to get with them. And so, you know what? Yeah. Hey, I, I think, like, it's so early to tell, you know. So I, I still believe, like, it, even though things haven't looked great, the, you know, for the three of the last four days, I still believe in this team. And... Call me crazy, but, you know, I, I could see the Mets falling apart and us taking advantage of them. I, you know, I could see the Marlins doing well until July and then falling off the, the, the face of the earth. I mean, the Nationals look great right now. There's no, no doubt about it. But, man, I just, anything can happen. Like, this NL East is so, you know, quote-unquote weak that anything can happen. Like, we're, we're talking on April 19th, and the Phillies are in third place. You know, like, right. is, is, that, is that crazy? Is it, you know, the, the Marlins are 4-8. and eight. The Braves are 4-9. and nine. Wow, they won four in a row, Jesus. Yeah, right. And, uh, <laughs> Them and the Twins, and, watch out. Break up the bench. Right, up the now they're battling back. The, even the Brewers are starting to come back. So yeah. it, it could be an unpredictable season. Granted, the Cubs are looking great. And, you know, uh, the Nationals are, are, are looking great. Um, but no one is really dominating. Uh, Baltimore's 8-4. and four, but Kansas City's 9-4. and four. Um, But everybody else, it's, it's a battle for the middle right now. And the Phillies have a great opportunity, you know. And granted, I wish we would have rebuilt two or three years ago, you know, hindsight being 2020. But... Maybe luck is on their side because so many teams are not mediocre, but so many teams are 500 mm-hmm. that they could play spoiler to a lot of teams and end up with a way better record than what they should. Yeah, it, and that's I think that's where some of the disappointment sets in with me because we'll tie it back into the offense. Um, we'll play a quick game here. I'm going to give you four batting averages. You need to tell me 
who they belong to heading into today. <laughs> well, well, I might be good at this because I did keep score at the Phillies game on Friday. <laughs> so your choices are your your players are Peter Borges, Tyler Goodell, Darren Ruff, and Cedric Hunter, who was recently uh. demoted, I believe on Friday, uh, for David Lowe. You're, the numbers I'm going to give you, 0. 0.088, oh. 0.125, 175, the high mark out of this group, and then 0. 0.077. Ooh, let me see if I can figure these out. I'm going to go with 0. 0.88 as Cedric Hunter. 0. 0.88 as Cedric Hunter. Let me see. That is correct. That is Cedric Hunter. That is, yeah. He did have a hit on Friday that reminded me of him going up to point eighty eight <laughs> and um, one twenty five. I'm going to go with Peter Borges. No, actually, so that's Darren Ruff. That's Darren Ruff hitting an amazing one twenty five. You know what's crazy is I'm just looking now. Uh, now, as after the game tonight, a brisk one eighteen. Ooh. Ooh. Oh, so now I'm going to go with Borges at 175. Yeah, Borges entered tonight 175, ended the night uh, with a with a strikeout, uh, lowering his average to 167. And then that means our final contestant, uh, Tyler Goodell, who went 0 for 3 tonight with a strikeout. 0 63. <laughs> who was singing their praises at the beginning of this podcast? Ooh. This guy, uh-oh. Oh man! Yeah, I got... oh sixty three. I mean, how long are they going to, you know, how long are they going to wait for it? You know, we saw David Lowe come up, and you know he's he's got some some time behind him, but to me, Borges is just he just looked like he was a second off every pitch, and you know he, there was a, there was an uh, a fielding mistake, like he didn't get charged with an error, but just a maybe a lack of concentration mistake on on um, Friday that when I was at the game against the Nationals that just and people are getting on him already whereas Ryan Howard has four errors and the crowd's still with him but Peter Porges I think is already you know he could be on his way out and you know he's always been a guy that was all legs and no stick and stuff like that but then his numbers are way better than I, I thought he is. And to me, he's almost like a Pat Burrell. That right. He gets those hits when it's very unimportant. When he gets those home <laughs> runs when, you know, you're three, uh, you know, five up or th- 13 down. So, you know, to me, Borges isn't a primetime player, but I, I was hoping for the best. I, I, I was, I was hoping that gorgeous Borges could uh, <laughs> figure it out and, and, you know, have a resurgence because, we need him, but man, that's a that's a rough that's a rough and no pun intended, but that's very rough. <laughs> yeah, that's... That, that no one's hitting in in that lineup, and it's got to become frustrating for the, these, especially these starting pitchers that are throwing their hearts out. Absolutely, and you know the thing with with Borges, you mentioned it looks like he's, you know, maybe his head's not in the game. I mean, there was a situation last night on on Monday night where he bunted essentially right to David Wright. Um, oh my goodness! In the you know in the air, so I, I know bunts aren't always the easiest thing to lay down. But if your if your whole thing is speed and and your predic your game's predicated on speed, you got to lay a bunt down. You know, even if it's not for a single, just to move the runners around. But um, we saw low come up. Is you know my question to you would be, 
or was going to be, is the next domino to fall Borges. And I, I you know, I, I get the feeling you think you think that's the case. I think so too, uh, because when I look at this outfield, I see them giving Tyler Goodell. I well, I would hope they would give Tyler Goodell every opportunity to hit himself out of this paper bag, because they have an opportunity to play a an extremely young player, and they get the opportunity before everybody else to see what kind of player he is and what kind of metal he has. And if his minor league statistics, which got better every year, are any indication, they might have somebody here that might just need some seasoning. You know, he's he's six years younger than Borges. Um, they could have him for six years of team control. So if I had to guess which outfielder would be the next kind of, quote, domino to fall, I think I'm with you with Borges. But there's a guy that's been hitting really, really well. And earlier today, Matt Breen, a reporter, actually asked about him. And this guy's name's Cam Perkins. And he's a name that kind of floats around on the periphery. He's never been a top prospect. But entering today, he was hitting 435. Mm. Yeah. Now, I do have to caution that that was only in uh, eight games or nine games. There were four Iron Pig games that got rained out (laughs) that were canceled because of weather. So... He hasn't got to play as much as everybody had hoped, and the Iron Pigs haven't. But he's hitting 435. He's got a one homer. He's 25 years old. Uh, Matt Breen asked about him today, asked if there was any chance the Phillies had considered bringing him up uh, when sending Hunter down. The answer apparently was no, which kind of shocked me. Um, mm, yeah, very shocking. Because Yeah, 25 is kind of the, the uh, pooper get off the toilet year especially with kind of fringy players right because they're at that point like you know are they going to you know succeed or are they going to are they as good as they're going to get and you know that's got to be a lot of pressure for the player too you know knowing that you know time is running out i mean look look at darren ruff you Mm -hmm. know look you know he came up a little bit later than i thought that he should and you know, maybe it is one of those things that like affects their their confidence. But yeah, twenty five is that you know really the pooper get off the pot. So, I mean, I'd like to see him stay on the pot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think he's. Uh, I, I don't know. At, at this point, you know, if he was to get everyday playing time, which it seems like they're kind of they're working that fourth guy in quite a bit. Um, I would bring him up and let him try and and sink or swim, but. You know, it seems not to be in the cards yet. So that's one. That's a name to keep an eye on because if he continues to hit, that's going to be harder to keep him down there, especially if the major league team doesn't. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I totally agree with you on that. Like it, you know, he's almost forcing their hand. Right, and you know, certainly um, we've seen from from center field a guy that's you know he looks like he's going to be on the next couple good Phillies teams. Odubel Herrera. Um, one of the one of the keys before the season started, my keys to success was that Odubel Herrera needed to walk. Well, he's taken that one step further. <laughs> At one point during tonight's game, he actually tied for the major league lead in walks. <laughs> so, you know, kind of interesting. He went from no walks in spring training to being tied for the major league lead. <laughs> so, he uh, he ended the night tonight. I just want to see here. Yeah, he's ending the night with a with a tie with Jose Batista, who you who you would like on the Phillies next year for the league lead in walks. I, I think he's the 
only kind of offensive spark they had, other than maybe Ryan Howard, who you saw on Friday. Yeah, I, I definitely saw him Friday. I saw him at home run in the ninth inning. When, of course, it didn't matter. But, <laughs> you know, Ryan Howard is in that weird, the same with Carlos Ruiz. It, the end is near, and we, we all know it. But, you know, Philadelphia fans have never really been the sympathetic type. But it was it's very cool to see, and I saw it at spring training in March. And now going to the, my first Phillies game on Friday night at Citizens Bank Park, you in wrestling, we call it the legend pop, where you know a guy is way past his prime, and he's doing his best, and there, there's not much time left. And he's earned that respect to where you cheer for him. And it's not a cheer like, this guy's going to hit a home run every time, and we're, we're so excited. It's 2007 again. It is a thank you for being you. If you strike out, we get it. But if you get a hit or something like that, we're going to go crazy because we love you, you know, and I, I love to see that because, you know, Howard's got to know that at the time, you know, it's not like he doesn't pick up a newspaper, he doesn't go on his tablet, you know, he knows the time is coming that he is going to get a check for $10 million at the end of the season and a hearty handshake and a thanks for coming and, you know, maybe... You know, is is he going to get picked up by another team? Is he going to retire? I don't I don't know. But with four home runs, you know, you would put in the notes. Can he hit twenty five this year? I, I think he can. I think he can hit twenty five or thirty. But he's also going to hit two fifteen, two twenty. So at, at the end of the day, what is it going to matter? He has four errors already at first base, which yeah. you know for 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 fifteen games is just. It's just tough, and they're not good errors. He's dropping the ball and stuff like that. So my, my hope is that we get to July and Teixeira's arm falls off. He, he <laughs> has a total Larry Christensen that, you know, he, he can't play anymore, and the, the Yankees take him. Or somebody on a good, good team, and, and you look, and once again, you know, it's so early to tell. You know, it, does he go to a Chicago White Sox? Does he go to a, a Texas Rangers where he can have that last little bit of glory, maybe make the playoffs? And, you know, we're happy to see we're, we're happy to see him go. But we're, we also want him to do his best. So it, it's, a, it's, a weird, it's a weird phase for Ryan Howard right now. But I definitely see he could hit 25 home runs. If he hits 20 and, you know, releases his... No contract or no trade contract. You, you could definitely see him, you know, on a on a competitive team. But you know, in it's not like a Rod. You know, a Rod is in this horrible slump. There are there already talk of if he keeps this up, the, are the, are they going to dump him? You know, considering that they owe him twenty million this year and twenty million next year, right. I don't think anybody's talking about dumping Ryan Howard right now. Or there, there's no talk of release. There, there's talk of basically letting him play this last year or so, you know, it's good to see because I, I've always been a Ryan Howard fan and, and, you know, I want him to do well and I didn't want him to go out with the boo birds, you know, so it, it you know, hats off to Philly fans for treating Howard with the, the respect that he really deserves. Yeah. And, and that's one thing that's actually really kind of warmed my heart and been surprising is, is the positive reaction. There, There is one guy, though, that could actually put some pressure on both Ryan Howard and Carlos Ruiz. And that's a guy who you literally couldn't put this guy's 
bat out with a fire extinguisher last year. Uh, and he's continued it this year. He continued it through his spring training. Andrew Knapp. And Andrew Knapp, through the first eight games here in, in the uh, for AAA, hitting 364 with two home runs. He's 24 years old. Is there a threshold? You know, he played, he's caught his entire minor league career in the Arizona Fall League. He played first base. Is there a threshold for maybe Ryan Howard or Chooch or even Cameron Rupp, who, you know, is is an okay player, um, that you might consider pulling the plug and giving the hot hand a start? Because Knapp is just hitting the cover off the baseball. He sure is. And, you know, at 24 years old, that's that's great because, you know, he's, he's got tons of time. He's a, a homegrown pros- uh, prospect that's been coming up. And it just seems like... Every year he's getting better and better. You know, last year he had uh, hit 13 home runs, um, you know, with Clearwater and Redding, and, and then he played the Arizona Fall League, looked good in that, you know, with a on-base percentage of 375. Right. You know, this year, and like you said, this year just tearing it up, on-base percentage of 517. Ooh, like, what do you do? He's been putting up those numbers, a career minor league hitter at, you know, 281. With a 3.59 on base percentage and uh, you know uh, slugging for 40 OPS of 7.99, I like mm-hmm. if I'm Ryan Howard and 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 I'm Carlos Ruiz, I'm not worried about Darren Roth. I'm not worried about Cameron Roth. I'm I'm worried about Andrew Knapp coming up and them just saying, "Hey, man." Do your thing. Let's see what you can do. So he, he's versatile. He, he can catch. He can play first base. Um, you know, even if he does so well that we trade out for him, you know, he's, he's also a designated hitter. Mm-hmm. But he, he's, he's got a lot of upside. And, you know, 24, being 24, that's, that's great. He's, he's not, you know, from everything I see, he's not injury prone. So, you know, this is this is something that, you know, the, the Phillies fans should be be looking forward to. He does strike out a little bit more than I would like, but heck, how many times has Ryan Howard struck out over the years? <laughs> right. So, you know, I was, I'm looking here, um, you know, his minor league stats for 2015. He had struck out 106 times in 522 plate appearances, batted 308, 385, 491, and an 876 OPS. So he's getting better every year too. So Yeah, and, and I it, it's it's great to see. And I'll take that I'll take that 80 point jump in on base percentage in exchange for the strikeouts. Like that the jump I, I between, sure will too. Yeah, the jump between the batting average and the on-base percentage because that's I mean that's something that's valuable. I mean that's the that's the genesis of runs right there getting on base. So, you know, he's a guy, you know, we'll take a quick look at some of the minor leaguers. Um, he's a guy that I have my eye on. Nick Williams tonight, two hits for the Iron Pigs. He's hitting only 200, but you got to remember with him, even though he's big, you know, marquee name in the Cole Hamels deal, he's only 22, and he just turned 22. He's a young 22. So you gotta got to cut him some slack. He's in, he's in the number three spot on a AAA team. He's five years younger than the league average um, in the International League. So, you know, you got to give him a little bit longer of a leash there, a little bit longer of a rope. Uh, he's doing, you know, He's did well tonight, two hits. Uh, another name that jumped out, in addition to Cam Perkins, Andrew Knapp, Andrew Bailey. Keep your eye on him. Uh, he's quietly turned it back around, 1.8 ERA, bunch of strikeouts. And then Mark Appel, 
who's had two very, very, very good starts, albeit short. He's only pitched 11.2 innings, but he's picked up two wins, .77 ERA, 11 strikeouts, and 11 and two-thirds. He could be a a fun guy to keep your eye on, because if he can put everything back together, uh, you might end up with something real nice there. Absolutely, and you know I have a lot of faith in that guy. I think he he's going to be a major force with with this team. So, you know, like I said, like we we've said for weeks, the minor league system is stacked, and there's so many different options to go to. You know, it's the heir apparent. You know, going back to Nap, the heir parents aren't rough and 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 rough anymore. You know, it's there we're so you know stacked right now that. If one prospect falls off, there there might be two coming back up. So it's it, it's going to be going to be interesting to see. Yeah, you mentioned with Nap. I mean, if Nap falls off the path, then you know you have Jorge Alfaro, and if Jorge Alfaro falls off the path, then you, you have Gabriel Lino. So like you you know catcher, uh, so on and so forth. The big one I'm looking at, obviously, and a lot of fans are uh, shortstop. We've seen you know a guy with a who, a guy who made the majors with the defensive reputation seemingly fall apart defensively in front of our eyes in Freddie Galvis. Um, the recent article in Phillies Nation talked about how Freddie Galvis probably isn't cut out to be a leadoff hitter. And then you got super prospect J.P. Crawford, who plays shortstop. He's hitting well. When do you start to get itchy if Galvis is still hitting around 200 and maybe Crawford's hitting closer to 300, even if it's in double A. And and you know what? Like Crawford is the, is going to be the guy, and I, I'm so excited for him to come up. I have a lot of faith in him too. Whereas Freddie Galvis is here for today, and right. I, I, I he's another guy, and we've talked about it for weeks. Is that you hope heats up enough for. The, the, you know, to get some trade value out of him, unless they're going to move him to second. But you know, Cesar Hernandez, who I've never really been high on, is just an exceptional hitter. I mean, he's he hits for average. He hits a lot of singles, and it, it's you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So let's let's see where where they go with it. Crawford, you know, he could spend all year in the minors, or he could be up in you know September. So. Or even as early as August, but you know the two eighty nine, three eighty five, four twenty two slash, with a homer and a steal at Double A, and in just a couple of you know he's he's already showing, you know positive steps towards you know being the the, the all around baseball player that I think he needs him to do. Yeah, and it's uh it's funny with Hernandez. I I do like his hitting, and some don't. I like his plate discipline. Um, and I can get some numbers on that. But the thing that bugged me about Hernandez, at least in these first couple games this year. He had five caught steal. I'm sorry, three caught stealings already. He had five last year, so he's fast, but he doesn't use his brains as much on the base paths as I'd like. So that's that's the one knock I have against Hernandez. I I like to say aggressive, but it, not so aggressive. <laughs> you know, like just mental mistakes, and you know, call it you know young, but uh, yeah, there's mental mistakes that he really has to fix. Yeah, so it, it'll be interesting to see there uh, kind of what shakes down with the infield because, again, um, you know, that, that offense has to improve. And, you know, like you said, a lot of these guys are probably here until they're not, which kind of sounds like a Yogi Bearism, but 
Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think Herrera and Franco are going to be two of the guys you look to lock in. Uh, I think, you know, maybe Goodell, if he starts to show some things, could make the team next year. And then from there, you know, you're going to have a question mark at first base and catcher if, if Knapp doesn't come up and satisfy one of those. You're going to have a question mark at second base. Um, your question mark is kind of alleviated, hopefully, at shortstop, but that's still kind of a question mark because a lot can happen until Crawford actually gets here. And so those will be interesting. That'll be interesting to see what shakes out. Be sure to follow uh, Jay Floyd, who's our minor league expert. Gets a lot of great exclusive interviews. He is at Foul Balls, uh, P-H-O-U-L-B-A-L-L-Z, at Foul Balls. He's Jay Floyd. He used to do a lot of great segments for Phillies Nation TV. He gets a lot of exclusive interviews. He's the one who brought you some uh, exclusive stuff with Aaron Nola during spring training. So make sure to follow him. He's great with the minor league updates. Everybody from Udabre Ramos all the way up through Andrew Bailey. So uh, he's a great guy to follow. And uh, he can keep you in tune as we move forward in the season with the minor league folks. But, Steve, we're coming up on time here. And uh, I just wanted to say from the bottom of my heart, I got over a dozen emails, tweets, etc. A dozen unique things asking where the Phillies Nation podcast was. And... You know, I just want to say thank you for everybody that's made this such a success already. Thank you to our sponsor, Out of the Park Baseball. Um, but it was really humbling and, and flattering because we were we saw the numbers. We saw the people from we we had people in Iraq, Kuwait, uh, folks in South Korea, in Japan, in the Netherlands. Uh, a lot of fans in the UK. We had fans. Um, we had somebody in Vatican City listen to us. So. You know, I don't know if they're going through these IP masks or what to look like they're in different countries, but, you know, we, we've cultivated this international following, and it's been really, really neat. And um, I really appreciate everybody reaching out and checking in on us. We had a long couple weeks of travel. I ended up having to go on business to Scottsdale, Arizona, kind of unexpectedly during opening week. And then you had uh, your 81st tour of Japan, I believe. Yeah, you know, I had, I had gone over again. I I been a gone for four years i thought i was done now i've gone back twice in a month and uh yeah it, it just it got so busy and yeah i came back and you know back on the road as soon as i get home and it, it's been crazy but i like just like you i have been getting these tweets i've been getting facebook messages from you know these yeah i, I have so many wrestling fans or on on my twitter but i couldn't believe how many baseball fans just over the last few weeks started to follow and how the the Phillies Nation podcast has, has been a part of their week and it's it's so cool to hear because you know you say like oh we'll, we'll be back next week but then they they just want to talk baseball yeah so uh you know it, it's so it's so cool yeah it's been a really rewarding experience so far with that being said because we missed out on a week uh Steve and I have discussed we would like to bring you a bonus episode later this week we're going to dive a little bit deeper into some of the things we talked about today. Uh, we're going to talk about the Phillies' recent acquisition. I don't know if you saw this. They acquired a uh, they acquired a fella. Uh, last name is Marte. Unfortunately, it is not. It wasn't Sterling. It was not Sterling Marte. Uh, <laughs> but they did acquire an outfielder who has some major league experience, Alfredo Marte uh, from the Orioles. He's 27 years old. He's got a great. Line career line in the minor leagues, 
kind of like a Cedric Hunter situation. We'll see where that goes. It looks like he's been assigned to the Iron Pigs at this point. Uh, we'll talk more minor leagues. And uh, Steve, where can they find you if they want to well, get they can find, Well, they can find me on Twitter, at, and I'm newly verified. Oh, wow. If, uh, yeah, if I haven't told everybody yet. Um, <laughs> newly verified on Twitter at King Carino, and then on Facebook at facebook.com slash King Carino. Um, putting up some cool stuff every every day on there, and also my website, worldofcarino.com. How about the, How about you? Where where can we find the great Ian Riccoboni? Riccoboni, <laughs> Ricca Gibroni. Ricca Gibroni, yeah. So, that's, pretty- that's Mr. Wrestling 3's favorite, apparently. <laughs> Yeah, he calls me that a bit, and you know, I I don't take offense to it. Um, I kind of like it. It's it's kind of endearing. Um, you can find me. Or actually, I'll tell this story real quick before we go. I I unknowingly kind of have a Wikipedia page, and I have a buddy that that goes on and, and kind of keeps track of it for me. And he's added some things. So yeah, it's kind of kayfabe. It's kind of rigged. Um, once it was up, I wanted to make sure it was nice that it didn't say anything you know crazy, um, <laughs> and. Uh, this buddy, I was doing a podcast with our friends over at Nats GM. Uh, there's a real nice fella. You, you've done the show, his show before, Ryan Sullivan. Yes, yeah, real nice guy. Yeah, super nice guy, and, and we hope to have him on. We'll talk about the Nats and um, any budding potential rivalry between the Phillies and the Nats. But anyway, we're doing uh, the wrapping. We're wrapping up at the podcast, and he asked me uh, rapid fire questions, and he says, "What's your least favorite professional wrestling ring name that you've had?" And I'm thinking, well, I've only ever used my real name. And then I told the brief story about how when I first started with Ring of Honor, um, I was pulled aside and said and told that, you know what, your name's a little difficult to say. Have you ever considered, as many reporters and television personalities and wrestlers do, to shorten your name or change your name uh, to make it easier to remember? So the the name I had thought up as kind of an homage to my wife was Ian Morris because Morris is her maiden name and it's nice and quick and Ian Morris, sound, you know, that sounds great. So I thought maybe he was talking about that. So I went into like this 10 minute spiel about Ian Morris and how I pitched it to our executive producer Delirious and to Carrie Silkin and I ran it by Kevin Kelly. And then ultimately when I first showed up on TV, my name was Ian Riccoboni anyway. So I, that's what I thought he was talking about. Here, apparently, somebody uh, vandalized my Wikipedia. Actually, a good friend of mine, Dan Feely, did because he's admitted to it. Uh, he's given me the ring names The Ricka Business, <laughs> The Ricka Bonesaw, The Rickshaw, and, quote, Tootin Ian. I don't know where Tootin Ian comes from. Wow. That, I, I, could, I could tell you where that comes from. I wow. sat next to you before. Yeah, well, you know, it's you know, <laughs> IBS and all that. But, um, but yeah, so he was actually asking me about those. So if you're on my Wikipedia, you know, have fun with it. Um, tell me what you think my professional wrestling nickname should be. That'll be your homework for next week. Um, oh, I can't wait to I can't wait to see what we get on that. <laughs> and the best one gets a prize. Yeah, we'll give away a prize. We'll uh if you think it's tootin' Ian, go ahead and vote for that one. But be creative, come up with a professional wrestling nickname. We'll give away something cool. And uh I am just about caught up from some of the earlier prizes that we sent out. Uh I was really kind of torn all over the place with with work travel, business travel and and uh Ring of Honor as well. But uh those will be going out very very soon. I've just packed a whole bunch up. We'll be sending those out for some previous episodes. So with that said, 
Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you to our sponsor, Out of the Park Baseball 2017. Uh, thanks for the folks that have been asking about us at Shy Vintage Sports, who has also been a sponsor of the show. For those who purchased uh, the book, 100 Greatest Phillies, uh, please give us your feedback. Let, keep letting us know what you think. Uh, give us feedback on iTunes. That really helps. Um, I want to say that, um, and this is a fact, we were pushed into the opening spot of the new and noteworthy section on iTunes. We were ranked number four because of your support uh, in the sports section. We ended up on the main page of new and noteworthy as well in the non-categorized section, just overall section. So because of you, we're able to continue to get the word about the Phillies out. Please continue to do this. We sincerely appreciate it. It's one way that you can help out that requires no purchase, requires just a couple seconds of your time. Uh, the five-star review on iTunes, but it's very important that you put a brief note, even if it's, I like this podcast. So, <laughs> so please. Yeah. Yes. Please. It really, really helps. It helps, you know, continue to keep the discussion going. So for this week, for this episode, because we're, we intend to return this week. I'm Ian Riccoboni for Steve Carino. We will talk to you next time.